You're listening to Witcher Watch from the Racking Focus Podcast. In my days when I'm through, no word that I've written will ring right as true as burn, burn, butcher burn. Hey, welcome back to Witcher Watch from the Racking Focus Podcast. I'm Josiah Blizzard. And I'm John Doyle. And today we're going to talk about episodes six and seven of series, season, series, what do we call it? Season two? What? This is season two. My, uh, my British is coming through. My and there are spoilers everywhere. So if you haven't watched these episodes and you don't want them spoiled, maybe go watch them and then come back and listen. So Josiah, um, we're going to start episode six now uh, and, and talk about what happened, but since you've read the books, what concerns did you have going in? Like as you were entering episode six, yeah, you know, where where, where are you sitting with your concerns? I have to put also a, a quick disclaimer here: is that I read I read Witcher season one came out. I had read I think maybe Blood of Elves at that by that point, right? And then it's been two years since that season released, and since that season ended. I have read the rest of the books and then played, I think, The Witcher 3 maybe two and a half times. Um, so if I confuse certain things that happen between the game and the book, that may be why. But Right, so you're just our access point to the Witcherverse. Yeah, and, and I may be wrong in certain areas, which is fine, but I just have to put that little disclaimer out there now, so feel free to correct me. But what I remember from Blood of Elves is that um, there's this... There's this opening in Kermoran where Triss is there. She hangs out with Ciri. She hangs out with Geralt, and the only other three witchers that are there, not the like twelve that are in right. This, there's only like three guys, yeah. right? And uh, and then spring comes, and they leave Kermoran. Triss, Ciri, and Geralt leave Kermoran, and they travel in this caravan for a while. Um, and I believe, if I remember correctly, they're going to the temple of Melitelli in Lander, which is where they end up in this episode. What in Lander, Wyoming in Elander. Oh, and it, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I, was like, Wait. I um, thought I read that section, but along the way we have a very sick Triss. And I feel like if I remember correctly, the majority of that book is the travel and there's, there's dwarves, right? And they, there's they meet up with the some dwarves. Elves, they meet up with a, with a dwarf the... named Yarp and Zigrin, who we actually met in, the first season right on the um golden dragon episode and i'm like i'm like this is yarpin zigrin this is the guy they cast this is the character that that they're portraying him as because i'm like we meet up with him in blood of elves and i'm like if this is the same actor and the same character is coming back in blood of elves i'm not that excited about it because i don't think they portrayed him correctly so i was a little nervous about that and turns out they're just going to skip that entire thing altogether so i was worried coming into this episode about how you know there being three episodes left six seven and eight and they still haven't left care Morn. so i wasn't sure what they what the heck they were going to do right in these next three episodes for this book to complete with this season um well we've been in, and so yeah so you have some concerns just about getting to what is the story and there's all that um elf uh Gorilla elf war. We haven't met the Squayatal or right. anything like that yet so, either. So. so in a way, we're although we're in you 
feel like we're encountering stuff that's in Blood of Elves, you're not feeling like that book is represented by this season. I th they're just twisting everything to, um, to. I think they're just they're just moving different pieces on the chessboard to get us to where we need to be, and it's still with the same intention. I think they're going to set up things differently, but it's still going to have the same outcome. Does okay. that make sense? Well, so we'll like, see. We're getting some tease, I think, of the Scoia'tael guerrilla warfare, freedom fighter, elves, dwarves, gnomes. We haven't met really any dwarves or gnomes yet, but uh, we've, we're have we seeing Philavandrel and his elf army, and we've had a little bit of a tease from uh, Kahir about like what happens when they realize they can repopulate on their own and they don't need the help of Nilfgaard anymore. What do they do? And so like, there's that whole thing that's happening. And you know, they're, they're teasing that. They're teasing that. I imagine that that is going to happen. Yeah, and it feels like from a dramatic standpoint, they may be trying to get us to know who elves are before, mm. so we understand what happened. Yeah. Um, and then we'll see if there's some kind of crazy. Yeah, so I, I just that. don't know. I think I also think there's some red herrings that they may be throwing out there to distract you from certain things that they just don't want you to think too hard about. Um, this whole monolith thing has me confused. This whole mutagen blood that Reince has stolen that we'll talk about in this episode has me a little bit confused because if he actually gets that back to whoever has hired him, that kind of disrupts the purpose of actually hunting down Siri. So right. there's there's things that I'm just like a little bit confused about. So um, well let's talk about the episode then. No, yeah, that's great. I got that out. That's great. Uh well let's do you want to Steph start with is with us too. I don't think she introduced herself. No, Steph She's is here and, and she'll chime in. Wow. Thanks, Steph. If you heard that, she did just burp behind the scenes. Well, she's eating broccoli casserole too. Followed up by Haribo gummy bears and I don't know what those the are. Weird wafers with nerds in it. You're talking to the mic better. The weird wafers with nerds inside. You know what these are called? Uh, we call them flying saucers, penny candy, flying saucers. Flying saucers. Like flying saucer, penny candy. They, they taste <laughs> like the Eucharist. But they're not the Eucharist they because not, not they maybe should be. <laughs> Transubstantiated, not yeah. just blessed. You're right. Are good. Those are not. That is not the body of Jesus. It's not been transformed. No, it's, just candy. it's a little bit crunchier though in the inside, right? Like it could be his bones. Okay. <laughs> I'm so sorry for everyone who had to hear that. And I got to tell you, the broccoli casserole is delicious and oh, not the best smelling thing in the world. Not I disagree. Second day. second day, it's not as good. It's still good. It just smells like cheese. If you'd like the recipe for broccoli casserole, <laughs> feel free to write in. We'll send it to you. It it's is, in the show notes, right? It is in the show notes. It's magnificent. <laughs> It is as good as it gets. <laughs> should um, we start doing that? Should we so start leaving random recipes we should leave in the show? I, I certainly have plenty of recipes <laughs> I could provide. Um, maybe well, we could do a gravy demo. Oh, a gravy demo. <laughs> this is going to turn into a cooking anyway, show. Anyway, all right, let's go. So uh, so we start out with Geralt and Siri on a journey. Yeah, right? it's clearly not snowing in Kaer Morin anymore, and it's it's not winter where they are. Um, and uh, it, honestly, it just starts out with Siri asking, like, where are we going? And that I miss Kermoran where it's safe. And so immediately you're like, okay, well, not in Kermoran. And she doesn't even know where they're going. So way to go, Geralt. You didn't even tell her. Didn't even tell her. She also says this line where she, uh, she like hounds Geralt for not caring about her other than the fact that she just, as long as she's living and breathing, like that's mm -hmm. the only thing Geralt cares about, which to me feels like the most parent thing of like, I don't care about how you feel right now. <laughs> You're gonna suck it up, and you're gonna you're gonna travel with me. I'm not telling you where we're going. We'll get there when we get there, and as long as you're living and breathing, 
Right. That's all I care about at the moment. Um, and we're yeah. not quite sure what they're what they're traveling for, right? But they hear right. a noise, right? They, yeah. So she sees somebody. They look up, right? I think they hear a rustle. They hear this. Um, they hear this. The that stellocyte dragon coming again. Right. Right. So that thing that that left the uh, the monolith when when Garrett was with Istrid in the last episode that is now hunting Siri and is wherever they are. I don't know exactly where they are in the wilderness. I don't know how far they are from Karen Warren. Um, pretty much in relation as far as um, as far as sorry, my dog is squeaking on some kind of Yeti toy here. Uh, as far as geography goes, Sintra, where Geralt was and Karen Warren, they're on like opposite sides of the map, like opposite corners of the continent. Right. So they that dragon traveled a pretty a pretty far distance to go to go find Siri. Um, but anyway, they're traveling there. They're traveling to what we learn later on is this temple of Melatelli. And like I mentioned before, this is actually this is what they skipped over in the books, right? Is the whole travel with Triss and the dwarves and the Scoyatal. It's just in the show. It's just Siri and Geralt traveling um, to this temple. But yeah, this dragon shows up, and uh, a few things happen. Oh my goodness gracious, this dog. <laughs> so this dragon shows up and like we've seen before, this this beast, this monster goes directly after Siri. And I'm still not sure 100% what the connection is, why they're going directly after Siri, what, what the purpose is. Um, but Geralt decides to use her as bait and willingly tells her to, you know, go stand on this rock. We're going to, you know, aim this dragon at you and I'm going to, I'm gonna kill it. So, very cool though. He kind of like leaps out of nowhere and just stabs this dragon directly in the heart. And yeah, and there's yeah. sort of like a a bloody, but it's also fragmentary. Yeah, and I it's I, I weird, do like the yeah. Siri, be brave, stand tall, all of that stuff. It was good. Yeah, no, it was it was good. It was good. Um, but immediately following that, the next time we see them is them arriving at this this temple um and uh i you know i really like the way they portrayed this temple here um this is this is where you know Geralt spends a hunk of time in the books in like random random spots in the book uh just kind of hanging out and talking to your know, mother nenica and um it's a it's a cool spot i like the way that this this temple looks like completely different from everything we've seen so far in in the Witcher, right? Like the production right. design, the the architecture, everything just looks completely different than what we've seen. Uh, it looks like it's way more um, Middle Eastern inspired, and uh, the architecture just reminds me of like this Aladdin style vibe, right? Right, which is very different than the like Eastern European vibe that the rest of this show gives off. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was kind of a fresh little thing. Uh, but yeah, Geralt says this is where witchers learn to do signs, and then he spent a hunk of time here as a uh, as a kid learning learning magic, learning how to how to cast these signs that that we've seen throughout the show so far. Um, yeah, what did you think of the spot? What did you think of the temple? It's super cool. I'm actually right now trying to remember this. To be honest, uh, this feels like an empty space in my <laughs> it's a void memory in of the of the episode so and i literally watched it uh 40 or 90 36 hours ago yikes that's fasc <laughs> fascinating i think 
uh, holiday celebration may have done some damage. Yeah, Christmas celebration may have uh, disrupted. Yeah, so in this space, in this space, um, you know, we meet, we meet really three people. Uh, the first is Nenika, who is like the head of this, uh, of this church, essentially, of this temple. Um, we meet her like ward boy. Um, right. Uh, Yare, I think his name was. And then we end up meeting Yen there as well. Um, so Yen is here. But before we get to Yen, there's a moment where Nenika speaks with Geralt and, about Siri, And this, this whole thing is like, it just allowed us again to realize how wanted Siri is by so many different people. Um, and that's really right now just almost for her status alone. But I think that once they uh, know about the elder blood thing, there's going to be even more people who, who want her. So it's just kind of upping the stakes a little bit again, just reminding us of like what's at risk here. Um, that Geralt's in danger a little bit because of, you know, wanting to protect Siri and like she's a wanted person in this world. Um, uh, but we also hear that um, we, we hear again of Ithlene's prophecy and that Siri recited it in a dream. So this Ithlene's prophecy thing keeps coming up in the last couple of episodes, right. just keeps being repeated. Um, and Nenika ends up telling Geralt that he needs to find balance and that um, whatever is missing from Siri, he needs to figure out what that is so that he can he can help her. Um, we don't know exactly what that is yet. We don't know. We don't know any of that. Um, but anyway, Yen arrives and uh, is reunited with Geralt like almost accidentally. Mm -hmm. And um, it like immediately gets sexy. Like there is like, there is a, <laughs> there's like heavy breathing. Voice over heavy breathing. No one can hear you. It has voice over heavy breathing. <laughs> it's a little ridiculous. Voiced over? <laughs> voice over. The, they were just acting really, Loudly. really hard. Yeah. There's a lot of breathing happening. Real gross. There's a kiss that was shared. That was fine. And then Siri walks in and interrupts them and feels awkward. Um, yeah. And, you know, last time we saw again, end of the last episode was her talking to like this vision Siri. Right. In this hut. And, and Siri was telling her like, hey, I'm the, I can give you power, your powers back. So you got to come and you pretty much got to come and kidnap me essentially right you gotta come and get me um and so yen has this secret agenda just as we learned everyone does in that last episode and we can clearly see that she has this secret agenda to try and take siri away from Geralt. but there's this conflict at the same time if she doesn't want to hurt Geralt by stealing his child so a little bit of a uh, complexity there mm -hmm. um yeah, you forget this whole part, don't you? <laughs> I do. I, I feel like I fell asleep or something. I'm seriously like this feels like an empty well, no worries. I'm, I'll I'm just reading walk your notes it. and I'm yeah. like, I don't, I don't remember, remember that. This, I don't but remember I remember that. the next thing. You remember the lighting of the candles? No, I or the unicorn. All the rest, of, all the rest of the. Oh, notes. oh, like all this more. <laughs> note, I don't know. Well, there's no way you fell asleep because they they interweave these scenes throughout the entire. That's what I mean. That's what I'm saying to you. <laughs> This, this seems incomprehensible. All right. Well, I'll just walk through the rest really quickly. Um, Siri mentions the whole thing with a unicorn. This is foreshadowing. Not going to go into anything else other than that. Um, oh, you have you want to talk about a unicorn? Well, there's something we could talk about. There's a little bit of um, Geralt and Yennefer like to use unicorns during their special time. Special time. That is PG talk for sex. <laughs> um, but that's in the game, right? 
That's in the game. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I ever read about them having sex on a unicorn, in a stuffed unicorn. I have to say a stuffed unicorn, not a real unicorn. But, yeah, but you like see it in like the corner of the game, like in the room they're in. Uh, oh yeah. It's real awkward. Oh yeah. And you're like, oh, know what you did there? Oh yeah. Yep. But uh, yeah, there's a whole thing with Siri and a unicorn and things like that at some point in the books. Hopefully, they actually do that in the, in the show. Um, Siri lights candles with Nenica and. Um, Series men- mentions that like no one told her what she was and that she's like really upset about this whole thing. Like Mouse Act didn't tell her. Um, who else does she say? Um, there's another name she mentions. Does Mouse Act know how like... I don't know what my question is. So like her grandmother hit... I don't know what her name is. Kalanthi. Thank you. Hid the elven blood. Yeah. Did Mausak know about the elven blood? So could Mausak really be held accountable for not telling Siri? I would imagine that Mausak knew. Like I would imagine that it's it, for her safety. Yeah, like I would imagine, or I I would imagine he pieced it together if nobody told him, right? Yeah. Because of what Pavetta was, what what Siri's mother was. Oh, that's true. And he knew and Mausak is uh, a wizard. He's this mage, and mages don't live just normal human life expectancy they live like a really long time like yen is old um so i would imagine that he was there when calanthe was series age and that he might have been there when right calanthe's mother was series i don't know what the lifespan is for for mages but i would imagine that he would he would know about about kind of this whole this whole thing i mean stregobor talks about being there when falca killed all those people and falca is like falca is actually in the same bloodline of siri and like she's like a, a great or, or or a great great relative or something along those lines so stregobor is super old but yeah so I, I would imagine mousek knew and and chose again chose not to chose not to tell her again just because i mean she's so young like what are you gonna and she's even older in the in the show than she is in the game or in the sorry in the books and so you're telling a, a, a nine-year-old or a 10-year-old or even a 12-year-old what the, hey, you have elf blood. We don't talk about it because we hate the elves. Well, your grandmother hates the elves. And um, you also have superpowers. So, like, that's just like a, that, you know, that's something you don't tell somebody until, like, they come of age. Um, and they clearly didn't expect to be ransacked and, you know, you know, a whole siege and all that stuff to happen and their city to be taken over by Nilfgaard. So... It also gives some sense of Malsak's, the his commitment to her and, mm-hmm. you know, the the importance of his actions during the first season. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. So anyway, there's this whole thing with that. And um, Calanthe hated elves and Nenica gives her hope like that with the right guidance that hopefully she with the right guidance could break the cycle of hatred once and for all. And right. so hiding hiding like the thing you most hate about yourself um, is hard. Um, and and there's a there's like Siri doesn't Siri obviously doesn't hate elves because she was with Dara and she's been around some of the elves and, and she's I mean, she's not racist in any way. And so she's not racist towards herself. Like this is this whole thing with like this innocence of this child, um, like children don't they're not born racist they like learn mm-hmm. racism and like Calanthe learned racism throughout her life in some way 
but Siri never learned that. Um, when well, Clanthes is some to some great extent self hatred, right? Yeah, and yeah. I, I, you know, I said way back when we were watching the first season that Clanthe had a look about her, right? That was um, different, and this this is an accountable reason for that, right? Yeah. So, like, it, probably good. Well, and likewise work. with Siri, like Siri right. looks different from everybody mm -hmm. else in the show too, right? Yeah. So, um, it may being it may be to the fact that they're also like highborn mm -hmm. bloodline too at the same time like a mix of that um but yeah anyway that happens they light some candles it's all fine and dandy and then uh next scene we see them is series like siri finds a book again containing ithlin's prophecy she says the the line you know the, the time where the era of the sword and the axe is nigh which i believe was said when she she mentioned screaming to Geralt and blowing apart those right those four dudes who tried to kidnap her and that horse in season one. And I believe like that line was said there, like it was a voiceover or something in her head said it. Um, and she reads that again, remembers that whole thing. Um, but as she's like going through that book, she ends up finding some blood underneath it, ends up following the blood trail to Yare, um, who was beaten. And then Reigns appears with the Michelet brothers. Yes. Right. The guy who snaps fire has appeared. Um, and then, did you do you remember any of that? Do you remember this fight scene that took place? I don't remember any of this. Oh my goodness! I, I'm, I'm actually considering <laughs> saying, "Can we just put this on television?" So yes. I remember let's any just of it. pause real quick. Let's yeah. just pause real quick, and then we can talk about this fight scene because we'll I want to know your thoughts. Back. All right. So that fight happens. Um, what did you think of the fight? So it's great. It reminds me of uh, the Spartacus series, the oh, okay. Cinemax Spartacus series, cool. Stars I'm, Spartacus series. I'm glad that you thought of something different than I did. I felt like it was a merge between like a Zack Snyder style fight with you know that slow motion, high frame rate, close up of like the t the like the tooth flying out, um, a mix of like a Zack Snyder style and a like a Kingsman style fight. Mm -hmm. um, like the church fight in Kingsman. Uh, I think there's another fight in there that happens too. Um, or a bar, the bar fight. Um, the way that the camera... Were, yeah, and you mentioned but even before the fight happened, or it may have been mid-fight, specifically to, towards uh, like the tracking shots of Siri and Yen running into a room, you mentioned. Yeah, because like, yeah, yeah. it's not just a single simple tracking shot. There's right. all sorts it's, of it's long takes and... Yeah, yeah and the yeah. camera's re you know, redirecting our focus and yeah. following... It's both perspective and omniscient, like the camera's doing both mm -hmm. jobs. I think that's so It's good. engaging, like all of it, but yeah, this... Um, so yeah, I have no recollection of that, so I'm confident <laughs> that something happened in the middle of my viewing of this, which is <laughs> hilarious for the podcast, but... Um, uh, it reminds me so much of Spartacus, the, the, the whole series. So that, that mm -hmm. is the style of the fighting in Interesting. that series and it's swords, right? So it matches right. up almost directly. Right. So that's, you know, sword, a lot of blood, um, uh, the, the clever way. I mean, I love when he uses the, uh, the, um, spell knocks the guy up and he yeah. lands on the sword. Yeah, he like does like those. this double push of Ard and force so the guy good. upward. Yeah, it's, it's uh, and that's th those are all the things. And th I mean, the show needs that kind of action. Yeah. And so that works really well. Like, it's fantastic. Well, and Geralt just rips these four brothers apart. Mm -hmm. And he does so in the books, I believe, in a, in a different location in a different way. Um, so at least they included them in the show. Uh, but yeah, so... Yen and Siri trap themselves in a room. 
Rance is trying to break in and uh, Yen says, I'm going to teach you the first thing that I ever learned, which was how to portal, right? Um, I don't know if this show is somewhat abandoning the whole um, chaos, like needs something to feed on. I feels like they are a little bit um, yeah. because I feel like, you know, Yen, Yen portaled by like destroying these two daisies or something like that, these two flowers she had. And then she couldn't do any magic in the beginning of the show when she was at Eratusa because she wasn't, she didn't know how to transport, you know, or, or chaos from one living thing into another mm-hmm. object. And Siri can just go ahead and do this without having to worry about whatever, without having to worry about something else being consumed, you know? Right, Does that make sense? Right, but Siri's primary source, the way we see the story, right? Like Siri's not some... (laughs) (laughs) Siri from Apple just started talking to me. So we've said said that name too many times. Uh, Yeah, so I mean, it looks like our Siri is... uh, is the source as opposed to the descendant of the source. And so these other characters all are removed and she has this elder blood that may in fact, although, I mean, that's that's not something necessarily that that Yen should be counting in her equation, right? Right. But I mean, that may be where we're headed. Yeah, that's that's totally totally possible. Um, I think, I don't know if they've described it in the show here, or if I was reading the book and they were describing it, but um, I think from what I remember, if I recollect this properly, there's it's like a pass through, like she's like a medium, right? And so there's maybe a source from another like dimension or another reality or something that she's pulling from as well, because she is a source in the books, like she's mm-hmm. called a source, right? Um, so she must maybe she's pulling energy from another another place mm-hmm. uh yeah that's totally possible but um i have to tell you henry cavill is such a great actor because you can feel the weight of him just saying yen stop as she's stepping through this portal right like his tone changes his face changes his body language changes like all of those things um yeah like that was just it's almost it's heartbreaking because he looks so betrayed and so hurt in that moment right after just fighting for them right to protect both of them mm-hmm. so Anyway, that's um that's where but, their story well, ends there. And that's but, their relationship, right? Their relationship right. is this accordion of love to betrayal, like really yeah. love to betrayal. Because ultimately, yeah. their relationships based to some great extent on betrayal. Oh yeah, and you know and, that the wish is right is a violation to right. some extent. Oh, and they can't trust if what the if the love they share is genuine or if it's completely art- artificial from from this wish, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and either they're going to have to learn to embrace the wish or they're going to just keep being at each other's throats like, right. like they're doing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the dysfunction is good for drama, drama's sake. Uh, from a storytelling standpoint, the dysfunction is good and it represents how every relationship actually is, right? No relationship is perfect. Yeah. Um, there's a level of dysfunction in every in every family and every relationship and it's operatic so it raises right. the scale of the relationship too so that these moments so we get the heroic appearance and then the betrayal immediately following it like those yeah and those that's all it that plays well operatic right? nature yeah um these bigger than life fantasy stories 
Well, let's um let's head back to Caremoran real quick. There's not a, there's not a whole lot that happens here. Um, essentially, all we're seeing is um, Vesemir is kind of regretting his actions. Triss is sharing in that same sort of guilt, and then immediately after that whole conversation happens, Rain's portals in somehow. Rain's can portal right into Caremoran and attack, and he throws a fireball at Vesemir and traps Triss in this circle of fire and you can yeah. certainly see some trauma right from right. her time on on mm -hmm. Sodden Hill um and he steals the mutagen we learn that he steals the the mutagen he, that he was actually there to take Siri and um instead he takes just this this vial of her of her blood um so yeah that's um well, and the, all that happens, we, really. we open up right with Vesemir and the vial, which we needed to see because we needed to know what got out of the needle. Yeah. Right. So like right, there's a right, nice right. dramatic bit to say, yeah. yes, we got this back out of the needle and now right. we have it in the vial again. Um, and so there's something revolving around that, that, and that's, that feels like that's a red herring, that vial. Yeah. It, it feels like there, it feels like that, that vial can't go anywhere because I mean, even Triss says at one point when, when she leaves, right, she tells Vesemir that the mutagen's gone and that she needs to leave and she immediately returns to Eratuza to see Tisea and lets Tisea know that like a drop of her blood will change the world or in the wrong hands it will destroy it. So we've upped the stakes for what this vial of blood means. Um, and uh, yeah, it's not, it's it's a pretty bad thing. So I just, I, I just don't think that that can go anywhere mm -hmm. because Siri is the for them Siri is the MacGuffin right. that they need to hunt and chase and and catch, mm -hmm. um, and this vile blood is like this thing that I I would imagine that this isn't going to go anywhere or it's only going to give somebody like partial ability over something or it's going to give or it's not going to work and they're going to realize no we need the full. Thing, or or like, it's going to work in a way that's temporary, whatever. This, right, or gonna, it's going to get destroyed. There's right? going to be right. There's going to be a hiccup in in their plan with this vial of blood in some way. Um, but yeah, we we did see though that uh, Rains is having a conversation with I think her name was Lydia, um, and that he's asking to meet her employer. Right. Right. He's at this point. He's like altering the deal a little bit. I need to meet your employer. Um, I have this blood. This wasn't part of the deal, but if you want it, I have to meet him. Um, so we'll see where that goes. Um, yeah, that's um, it's all the, all all of the like everything is pointing back to each, each other. Like everything is just coming together here. At the end of the season, we're gonna get some reveals. We're gonna get I don't know. There's some. There's gonna be some wrap up. You know, it, I can feel like they're like tying the bow. They're starting to tie the bow on this season a mm -hmm. little bit. Um, so hopefully they wrap it up nicely and give us like one solid cliffhanger for to lead into next season, right? Right. Um, anything else to care more and you wanted to, to chat about? No, I, I I just think that the idea of of Reince being able to get there is so strange. It seems yeah, Caremore seems uh, entirely too vulnerable uh, and public in this. Well, series. and I don't know how so. Reince is asking, he's he's um he's torturing Yaskir about, hey, where is Geralt? Where is Siri? How do I get there? Like in the books at the very least, that's what he's doing. He's like, Hey, where where are they? And he's not giving them any info. 
And so for him to just like pop in, to drop in, and it feels like Caramoran should be kind of like this place, like I think of Hogwarts, where uh, the only person who can uh, kind of come and go from Hogwarts is uh, Dumbledore, right? He's the only person who can right. apparate in and out of that space. And Caramoran feels like that should be the kind of the same way, like there should be some sort of protective... But the bubble. last time we saw Reince, he was not getting the information he needed. And, and that too is like, right. how does he know to go there? So somewhere he found he out there? the information right. in, in a in a space that we didn't see on screen. Right. And maybe we missed strange. it. Maybe I just didn't pick up on something. But I, he all of a sudden he's there. And uh, I just don't know. Don't know how. Yeah, because the last place we saw him was... Lying with, on the ground screaming with covering his face with uh, right after right? not getting information right from dandelion from Yasker. yeah yeah i don't i don't know i don't know how he got there. there's a little plot hole there maybe but uh very weird very weird so um let's pop down to to uh actually let's pop over to codringer and and fen right um do you remember this part <laughs> i'll see you in a second <laughs> Uh, do you remember a very creepy looking person in a wheelchair? No, I don't. Creepy looking. She just had. Sorry, I, maybe I read into it because okay, so there's a little gender bend here. Uh, Fen in the books is a is a man named Jacob Fen. He has no legs. He has really long arms, and he has no neck. Okay, well. So I just she, transport she that a little bit. She stood at one point, so she had no. Yes, she did. I didn't think she stood. She sure did. Okay, well, you go find it for me. But I was pretty sure that she was in. A wheelchair the entire time there's one point where she's standing i'm on it okay you go find that but anyway istrid is arriving to codringer and and fen uh essentially codringer and fen in the books are these they call themselves lawyers but really their their lawyering is kind of this front for some of their back alley dealings and they essentially um they disperse knowledge to people and they collect knowledge um in exchange for profit which you see them do here right like hey we're gonna uh we can tell you what you want to know potentially but you got to give us money and they also end up collecting info from you at the same time um so they they actually appear in the books with Geralt uh and they appear later on down the road trying to um trying to get Siri as well so we're getting them early here to yeah. drive plot right yeah yeah there's a lot of layers that are happening in this show and specifically what istrid wants to know is what how is this connection between a witcher this princess and these monoliths tell me what you know they they have all this stuff here standing yeah she is standing i understand she just turned around interesting standing well they there's legitimately in the books, people don't even know if Fen exists and they think that Codringer's is like, it's an like alternate alias that he uses under Fen, but then like somebody comes in and realizes that Fen exists and he has no legs, he has really long arms and no neck. And at one point he's like pushed out of his chair and like has to crawl away and they look, they said it looked like a weird spider crawling away from these, like he's described as like this really creepy looking guy. Um, with half a body so they've toned it down for sure yeah i just assumed she was in the wheelchair the whole time because nope. every time you every time i met him in the book he was in a wheelchair so anyway anyway 
there's the big thing here where they talk about um, a specific gene, a mutation, um, and it turns out it's the Laradoran uh, gene. Um, I mentioned Laradoran uh, in the last episode. I believe right. that's who grabbed Triss in, in mm -hmm. series vision. Um, and essentially, Codringer and Fenn describe her like they built a warrior, an elven warrior. The elves built a warrior to like combat the people at the time who were who were against them um and that's who we saw on on uh, in series in series vision there so uh at one point though fen reads this curse um and it says that you know i will i will hound your bloodline until the 10th generation then the columns of space and time will open for my people blah 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 mm -hmm. And so the columns of space and time sounds like those monoliths. Um, for sure, it sounds like those monoliths. But I, you know, I went back to the books and I have all the books in ebook form. So I'm able to search. Right. And I could not find anything about that section of the curse. Mm -hmm. I found the first part where it says, I will hound the bloodline until the 10th generation. But I didn't but find the column anything about the time. columns of space and time. So, and then I searched like a fandom Wikipedia page of, on, on, on Laura Doran and Witcher and all that stuff, found nothing. So this seems like they've added again. This whole monolith thing is a completely fabricated storyline. Um, I'm glad that they're fully playing into it though. Right. And they're adding part of, they're, they're going to connect this to her bloodline at this point. Right. So, they're, right. They're tying this all together so that it can function. Yes. Yeah. So I just don't know. I just don't know how well. It's going to function. I don't know if these monoliths are a red herring so that you're not thinking so much about her bloodline. I don't know what, I don't know where they're going with this whole thing. Um, I have ideas. I think those ideas would probably spoil the ending of this series for some people if they end up going that, 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 right. that course. Um, but we do learn that Siri has specifically this bloodline, this Lara Dorn mm -hmm. bloodline, this gene in her body, this mutation, um, and it's abnormal that not everybody has it, and she's the only one currently living who has that bloodline. So, and so by uh, by the end of this episode, of which I have intermittent memory, it seems <laughs> um, we have uh, everything's pointed towards Siri now. Yeah, right. So whereas in the first season or series, there were directions towards Siri. It was really Geralt's journey. Right. towards Siri. Now everyone's being directed towards this character. Yeah. Right. And the need to the need to control her or at least have access to her for her blood, right? Geralt had the jump on her in the first season. Everybody well, the only person other than Geralt who was trying to get to her was Kahir. Right. In that first was Nilfgaard in that first season. And, well, and Geralt we're gonna was able see to see him come first. back and try that again in here. Because I remember mm -hmm. that. Uh yeah. so we're gonna see him make that yeah. Choice. Well, let's let's head on over to Sintra then and talk about all of that because there's a whole power dynamic thing with Francesca mm -hmm. and Frangilla versus Kahir a little bit, right? Yeah, and so this is where we have this elf presence that's imbalancing story, which is already off of yeah. what the books are doing with those characters anyway. Yeah. But there is this sense of sort of like the women aren't going to be controlled by this guy who's now back and thinks that he can just step back in and we right. what I like the way they drove to this because we are with Kahir in a way seeing the women as usurpers in the 
previous episode, right? Right. Like we when we when we see him enter the city, part of us is like, oh, look how he's being ignored, and now yeah, there's this sort of inverse thing happening with him, um, and their conversation, the uh, Francesca and Frangilla's conversation as they walk is a conversation of people who are almost uh, conspiratorial. Right, right. There's, it's that. Uh, it's like when leaders don't use the uh, sunshine law and they have a meeting in private so that they can talk honestly about things that they have concerns about. Yeah, and I think that that I think that you know it's Francesca a little bit manipulating Frangilla, but I think I think she's actually looking out for her as a friend because of how much they've mutually benefited from their partnership, and she's seeing the strength that Fringilla has and uh, the kindness that she also has. And that I think Kahir maybe brings out some of that negativity, some of that um, malice that Fringilla also does wield um, and brings out the worst parts of her. And that Kahir is, is just trying to step back in. He's fallen right back into the role of hunting down series. Like, mm -hmm. Hey, I'm not here. I don't care about the elves it's not that i don't like the elves it's that that's not my purpose my purpose is to find siri mm -hmm. and and bring her back so that you know whatever the this is what the white flame wants and he's he's pretty much saying like frangilla you've forgotten why we took Sintra in the first place and as he's saying as he's saying that we have dara who walks who walks by right um overhearing all of this and um yeah so it's all it's all interesting stuff um but there's this definitely this power play going on and francesca's trying to retain the power that she has and the only way she's going to retain that power is if she if is if frangilla retains her power right her her power their power is directly tied to each other right their partnership makes their power interlinked in right a way. right mm -hmm. so yes uh immediately following that though we do learn that philavandrel I don't know how much the show, how much of the episode you watched. I may be spoiling no, all good. of this for you. Um, we learned that Philavandrel um, is actually the father, I believe, right. of this child of the, right. that Francesca is bearing. Mm -hmm. uh, did not see that coming for some reason. I don't know if you saw that coming well, or not, but I don't think I saw it coming because he seems so exiled from the core of this, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It almost seems like I mean, she he was so on the outside and that she was always angry at him. Mm -hmm. I guess that makes a lot more sense now that she's angry at the person who impregnated her. Except that she needs the pregnancy, right? Because she needs the pregnancy. Babies are yeah, uncommon. I just don't know if her, if her man is just annoying the heck out of her while she's pregnant for, <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. I yes, don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But yeah, it's, um, it's not something that I saw coming at all but it makes sense because he was king of the elves at one point and at this point she is labeled like their queen mm -hmm. essentially right so then i'm like i guess i should have seen that seen that coming of course uh yeah so the elves are being trained by philavandrel and here comes out looking i don't know if you remember this here comes out in like his bathrobe it he, looks like his hair is like blow drying like yeah. it's like he looks he looks like a he looks like he just stepped out like this crime mob boss movie out of the out of the bathhouse or something. He looks ridiculous. Um, and he challenges Dara to like a quick fight. And I'm not 100% sure what his intention Which seems was. ridiculous. Yeah. Right? Like, of course, you're, you're going to win. Like, you're this commander of this 
of of Nilfgaard's armies. Like, of course, you're going to beat this tiny elf who has never had any combat training in his life. Like, what's the point of this whole thing? And I think that he's really just kind of vying for power again. Like, it's again, it's just his power play of I need to be in control of the elves. I need to be in control of these two these two women. I don't know if he's feeling uh, inferior to everybody who's there. Right? He comes back in. And he just has to like make his mark right on Sintra here and let everybody know who's in charge so that whole thing goes down and uh and then we have this uh this baby is born right, right. and <laughs> Phil Evangel's face in the background of this birth scene is everything it's like it's the best thing I kind of wish that they focused on his face throughout the entire piece rather than right. her pushing out this child uh because it's so good he looks he looks like he's in shock and horror of of what is happening in front of him. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's great. So the baby's born. It's not crying. It's not breathing. Frangilla holds the baby, pats its back a little bit, gives it some love. And all of a sudden we get a little cry that's squeaked out. And we have a happy couple holding the baby. Yeah, very happy couple and a very happy uh, group of elves outside in the hallway, which trickles down into the courtyard below. And uh, you have like an all night rager that's happening because the first elf was born. Uh, elves haven't been born in years they said earlier in this season and uh so we have we have this first elf mm-hmm. born and uh following that last thing is that kahir brings up that you know it's great and all that you know this this kid was born that you know they're able to have a celebration and all this joyous occasion but uh what happens when the elves realize that they can repopulate and they don't need nilfgaard anymore and i think you know that really does lead to you know, the elves going out on their own, becoming their own separate entity. That and then allows the Skoyatal right, to, to create, come in and do their thing. And do their thing. Yeah. That was a beautiful sequence too. I actually have this and remember this. Hmm. So that's, this is a weird, I, whatever my experience here was, I'm wondering <laughs> what my distraction was. Yeah, I don't know what happened I while you were either, watching, but. Especially because I, that fight would have been something I would have cared about. Oh, for sure. The, uh, yeah, I mean this the scene with them is great. They're separated by pillars in this big uh, Yes, yeah. They're in these two different archways, archways essentially, right? Yeah. yeah. It's so it's so nicely done. I mean, again, I I can't I can't say how much the the quality of the direction is yeah. really strong throughout. Um and the look of the show move like we have a definitive look and yet they are taking and individual scenes feel like they're in a place visually. Yeah. Um, the spaces feel big. Mm-hmm. They feel expansive. They feel lived in. They feel real. Everything just feels right. Um, as far as the tone of the show goes, um, it's all going to come down to for me is a, how do they wrap this thing up this season and following seasons and in the series? Like it's just gotta be, it's gotta be neatly packaged. Like I just, I don't, we'll see. I can't have any loose ends. You're, but you're gonna have a cliffhanger. There's no way you're not gonna have a cliffhanger. Oh, I'll have a cliffhanger at the end of this. At the end of this season, mm-hmm. I'm just hoping that they, they boil it down to maybe one or two cliffhangers rather than just keeping so many things open ended. You know, or they, or they complete the arc of a people group or a or people individually, mm-hmm. so that we can launch them into their next segment of whatever needs to happen in their life. Um, the last thing, the last two things actually that happen is that um, Kahir tells Frangilla that Emir, the White Flame, Emperor Nilfgaard is on his way to Sintra. And she's very worried about that because of, again, power. Right. And there's a voice whispering in her head, that same 
uh, woman who was in the in the huts in the cabin um, about they're going to take your power, they're going to take your freedom. Um, not sure. I have an idea of where she's going to go only because I've read the books, so I'm interested to see what she does. Uh, and then the last thing is we have Dara reporting to an owl. Right. He's talking to an owl in the same way that uh, Deeksha was talking to an owl. And so again, I'm going to say that this is Philip Eilhart, and I'm excited to hopefully see her pop up in the next episode or two. Um, but yeah, so that's um that's episode six. Yeah, good. That's good. Let's go on to episode seven. And we just need to mention that Stephanie's walking the dog yes. and will return at some point and be able to join in. There's some stuff I want to hear from yes, her. Yes, and it will likely be fairly noisy when she comes back into this house. Um, so we just watched episode seven, and this is actually the first time I think we've watched an episode together. Of this season, right? Yeah, of this of this season. And um, normally I've had two watch-throughs for every episode. So this, this may be a little bit uh, more scattered and I, I have less to say or all that but at least you've seen this episode this time and <laughs> like in i can say entirety. for a fact that you right. saw this episode uh in full um where do you want to start where does this start i guess let me ask too um what did you think of this episode overall so again not being connected to the books at this point mm -hmm. the, uh the story is really driving towards a conclusion or yeah. at least a, a, an eighth episode i i feel like now i'm starting to believe that well, this arc feels to me like it's so I'm going to use video game terminology. It feels like we're heading towards a boss. Yeah. Yes. Right. For sure. You get me? Like it doesn't yeah. feel like we're, there's so for a while during this episode, I've been th wondering where we were going. Yeah. At first, it felt like we weren't going anywhere. Right. Like we we were in some holding pattern in a big arc of a story that wasn't building. Yeah. And then and then it felt like we're going. Someplace, and it's going to be a pretty distinct conclusion, right? There's a climax. There's a climax, towards, right? and yeah. and now it feels like we may be heading towards a boss. Like mm. we've had a figure building in the background through this whole episode that we're going to encounter. In that's actually eight. a pretty good thought because even these books are so they're just so different than some of the other fantasy books I've read, mm -hmm. um, and they really from my from my memory they don't have they don't have like this end of the book fight that happens in every book if if i'm remembering correctly normally there's there's just character moments that happen throughout and there's big things that happen but from my memory never anything that's like a huge like boss battle sort of mm -hmm. thing and when you think of something like even game of thrones there's always been like this Battle of the Blackwater, or right, that um, penultimate a, episode, right. that did the battle. Yeah, yeah. There's been there's been a red a red wedding or a um, the mountain versus Oberyn, right? right? Like, there's always been something, even though I think the mountain versus Oberyn is like episode four or something of that season. Whatever. There's there's always been this build to something, and The Witcher is kind of weird in that sense because I guess there really wouldn't be unless they've fabricated a storyline to put in there and i'm i'm wondering if um i'm wondering if this witch and these monoliths are connected in any way so it right? feels like, a lot like there we, we have a lot of different lore that feels like it's on the table right now right so we've got this yeah you can keep going no it's okay well the, you hear the witch say bring her to the like in there i don't know where yeah you bring are. me to the Bring her to the black glass door, door. Lab, doorway or whatever. Yeah, she's talking about 
where they're standing. Right, right, right. In the rift. It's like they have to be connected. Yeah. Yeah, there's a there is a sense that they're and, and I think one of the things that we that's really interesting that's what reason I feel like it's a boss, right? Yeah. Is that something's happening that's possessing Siri, right? So Siri's at the end of this episode, just we're just gonna jump, there's spoilers ahead, there's possession, right? Right. Um, and now we're gonna deal with that in the last episode. And so in some ways the the what you've been seeing as these distractions or these red herrings are the way we're going to potentially series by series step through the fact that the arc of the novels is distinctly not full of peaks and valleys but a right. straight journey yeah. and 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 so we're going to get this played out so we get this like mini boss who we're going to fight here. yeah the other thing though that they're doing with these monoliths is is even with fen saying you know uh, the whole space and time columns like all of those things like there is stuff in the books that makes me feel like these monoliths aren't going away for the duration of no, this series i i agree with you and so they're they may be connected to this witch but they are connected to much more than that as well and if this witch is existing in this dimension in this this uh this place in space and time the outside of right. our regular world then that makes sense as to why the monoliths may end up remaining in the because series they're because they're going to play into that even more right. down the road, down the road. Uh, when they cover the last two seasons most likely but uh yeah it's just interesting what they're doing and that they're really seeding they must they must be so committed to this they're so committed to these whatever seven seasons that they're at least do. the producers are committed to this yeah. like the people who are directors writing producing mm -hmm. they're committed to long haul they're, story they're seeding stuff that won't come up again or maybe they will just keep pushing it throughout the series but stuff that doesn't take place in the books for a lot of books you know you don't see yeah. it happen until until the closure of the end of the series um, um so yeah. I, I thought this episode was really good again i i just cannot be more positive about the direction yeah uh both the direction of the actors and the direction of the camera and blocking and staging i mean totally these it's like they each episode they seem to be almost upping the quality of or they seem to be taking risks you know when mm -hmm. i hear it this is a thing um it's going to be a little off track for a second but like in the old days in 1960s when television was being made okay like <laughs> yeah, jumping sorry. way back like boom here we go sorry Steph. that's great <laughs> 1960s when television started um director you, you when you go back and you watch shows from that period especially science fiction and fantasy shows there's these moments where you see a director do something that's completely off the hook yeah. right and you're and you call that a good director like they choose to do a bird's eye view shot because nobody did any of that in right. television then right right and so back then the director simply by altering by by breaking the x sort of this the flat yeah wall and it, it was it was able to completely alter the way you saw something and back then no one noticed it right like mm -hmm. the, it was just a weird shot yeah but now as we look back we say that director really was thinking there was something happening and what i see here is 
directors upping their game in each episode or, all, or, or having a vision or seeing through eyes that allow the camera to do really interesting stuff. Yeah. There was that, there's a, I mean, there's a moment where this, you know, blackness just surrounds uh, right, right. Siri and Yennefer that is just a spectacular choice to violate the frame. Right. Right. That could have been done a hundred different ways. Yeah. But there's a thing about the frame of the screen in this series that's been there all the way through. And we see it when series power like explodes. It, like it's almost as if the the screen is being damaged. Right. right. Those are all such interesting directorial choices. Yeah. That I think really have enhanced the season that we and when we go back to the very first episode of The Witcher, which we both enjoyed right in season one mm -hmm. were non-existent in that season right like yes that was like right. watching a play on stage right i remember talking about season one and saying i in in regards to the sets that i felt like they were small that i felt like they weren't real and that this i couldn't i didn't fully buy into the world that we were in and now in this season clearly they have a lot more money they right. have a lot more direction on where they're headed, on, on what the tone needs to be, on what worked, what didn't work. And that's why in this season we're seeing, we've seen a, numerous shots of drone shots, essentially, of Sintra, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you were to take a drone up in Sintra, you're seeing these beautiful, beautiful shots. And it gives you a scale of the location. It, um, there's multiple times where I'm like, I didn't realize Sintra was this big. Mm -hmm. Like it right. looks huge. Even in the, even in the scene in, inside in the throne room of Sintra when Frangilla comes in and does her amazing thing at the table. Which we'll talk about. Um, that room looked way bigger than it did in uh, the episode one, season one. Right. You know, at that dinner scene. It looked right. more real. It looked more, it looked less fabricated for television or, and, and, and more like a real legit place. And that, that's the distinction I think we're seeing is that there's a, a not, and I don't think it's just about money Although it may be, it I, well, feels I think, like it's about I think about money, talent. Money, money and talent go together, right? right. There's a, you can't, you have to, you know, in a way you have to buy talent from people so that they can work on your show or so that they can do what they're talented mm -hmm. at properly. Right. You know, if you gave me, you know, a $200 budget to go and shoot a feature film, sure, I could do it, but it's not going to look like it would if I had uh, $200,000 or right. $2 million, right? Like right. there's a... The level of, of price will increase my ability, regardless of the mm -hmm. raw talent I have. Um, your production designers are able to up their game when their budget goes up from a thousand dollars to a hundred thousand right. dollars or whatever it is, right? So, I think that they're they're in tandem, and I think that Netflix gave them enough money this year to actually be able to pull off what they what they will probably wanted to pull off in season one, but just didn't have the resources to. Yeah, I think I think that's all really true. So anyway, I thought it looked great. That's yeah. what I want to say. Yeah, I really like this yeah. episode. Um, let's just start with Geralt because we really are picking up right where we we last left Geralt in uh, the temple of uh, Melatelli, and he's immediately noticing Redanian crowns in the ground, mm -hmm. meaning that somebody from Redania paid these people to come in and kidnap Siri. Don't know if this is... Um, directly related to Dijkstra, who is Redanian intelligence, uh, or if somebody somebody else hired Reigns, whatever. I don't know, 100%. Um, but he's noticing that. Uh, so just wanted to point that out in case that's a foreshadowing moment for later. Um, well, and he's wounded, yeah, right? And, and he bloody. is wounded. And, you know, that again, well, we'll talk about the rest of the fighting in the episode later on. But, yeah, um, yeah so we... 
I love that he's doing detective work too. He like is I just right. Yeah, he's doing detective work, and that's that's part of what his character is in. Definitely in the game. I mean, half of what I do in the game is just run around examining bodies and and things like that, and then realizing that this is part of this thing, and you got to go here and you, well, and looting and I looting. Mean, yeah, for just all loot a million things. Yeah, the game is is should be called Witcher looting. Witcher loot. Yeah, Witcher loot. Yeah, it's it's uh it's cool to see him do that in the in the show too. But uh. Yeah, so so he's right. healed mm, by um, mm, mm, <laughs> mm, mm. winds howling, <laughs> but uh, he's healed by uh, Nenica. She pulls like some flower out or something, right? Like oh, right off, off, right her, off of her breast like, lapel or something. Uh, like, yeah. Corsage, whatever. Yeah, and it was crinkly too. Yeah, it wasn't. But it, the thing looks metal. It, was, it had like a shine to it. It reminded me of like a Christmas decoration. Yeah, like you would have on a tree. Yeah, and then it crinkled and ripped apart. Yeah. She pressed it into his arm, and then he quickly got up and left. It yeah. either worked really quickly or he... Well, and, and she's trying to convince him that Yen's not a bad person, necessarily. Like, do you trust Yen with this with Siri? Do you not trust Yen? Like, hey, maybe you should trust her because the last time you met, like, hey, things might have changed since then. And uh, she says sometimes we choose the worst because we fear the worst or something along those lines, right? Like... I don't know. I don't remember what she said exactly, but it, it, it felt like the theme of the episode. Yeah. Um, very early on to Geralt. And uh, immediately after that, we're jumping to Yaskier, who's singing a wonderful song with some mice in prison. And and there's, I mean, the show elevates when he jumps on the screen. Yeah. He's so uh, fun. He's tremendous fun. I mean, I cheered when he came in the previous episode. In like the, the season last episode, he was in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What did you think of the song this time? Yeah, what did you think of the song? I liked it. I yeah, liked he, that he like the spoons. I like the head spoons. spoons. <laughs> that's not. This is not an easy no. task. Playing the spoons. Playing the spoons. Like that, it's difficult. It's Never tried, good. but I imagine it's difficult. Well, and they couldn't be like high quality spoons, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't spoon. think that's actual like silver or metal that he's banging against. It's probably some piece of crap. But spoon. Gasker's. Right? I mean, and the business with the jailer, like we get the humor and we get his, um, his madness, his sort of vibrancy of life. Like that stuff really plays. He's very optimistic, even in prison. And, uh, yeah. So he annoys the hell out of this jailer who then is like, I'm just going to go. What does he say? He's essentially, he's going to take a dump somewhere right he's like i would rather poop in an outhouse than listen to you sing in my <laughs> jail cell we get a great reveal of Geralt behind the door there and uh yeah he just he kicks his butt and uh breaks breaks yaskier out and nice little bonding moment there it's and so a, it was a reunion. actually really lovely yeah where yasker's like you know yasker forgives him right yeah. like he there's says, this screw it and just gives him a hug yeah right? an awkward hug but a hug yeah it felt very loving, right? It felt very, the hug was nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was gentle. It was gentle. It was a gentle hug. Then he f says farewell to his singing partners and off they go. <laughs> his mice, yeah, his mice trio. Yeah, and uh, we're going to skip over the entire section of Yaskier bathing, although I'm sure so many women loved that. No, there's a great line in there, though. Do you remember what it says, is? Yes. You could hang paintings off of my, my nipples. nipples. Yeah. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> the humor is so good he really is such a comic relief character mm -hmm. that you need to have him in in this show especially you, at this point in the series yeah the you season. you need him 
Um, as I mentioned in the uh, earlier, I guess, in this episode of the podcast, um, but in episode six is, you know, they've skipped this whole thing with Tris being sick. They mentioned that in this mm-hmm. in this episode that she's a little ill returning to Eretuza. Uh, they skipped over her sickness, the traveling to the temple at Melitelli, and the meeting of this dwarven company led by Yarp and Zigrin. Well, apparently they didn't skip over it. They've just moved some pieces around because Yarp and Zigrin's in here. I feel like I owe him an apology because I feel like I crapped on him earlier in this episode. This was not the same character that we met in. It's the same actor. He has so much more like bravado and like he's just he's just full dwarf it feels well, like you when, know like when that axe hit yasker's shirt yeah i i knew where we were i was like this is where we're headed i had no idea what that I, was. I, was like, I had thought they've just completely skipped these dwarves all together i was like this that's that's a little dwarven axe yeah like was, and then we get up there and we meet him and that whole sequence was great oh so good so good and you mentioned too you said like the energy is so high and uh the dwarves are fun. They're fun. They're fun when they're on screen. Well, and Yasker goes to eat some food and spits it out. Like there's yeah. bits happening all around everywhere. <laughs> and we need to remember we have had the death of which we skipped over when we talked last time. But Roach's death, right? Oh yeah. So, so we have Roach's yeah. death, and in the um, game or wherever, every, he just calls every horse Roach. Every horse right? is Roach in the book and the game. Yeah, every horse is uh, Roach. And so he says he needs a horse, and they yeah. give him this. Uh, they give him this giant luxuriously haired that that man the man on that horse was beautiful mm-hmm. and uh they said they're too short for the horse essentially right which uh, i don't yeah. know where they got horse this is too big for us yeah we're dragging around <laughs> like, of course it is like and and the that sort of turn of we have a mission we have a quest mm-hmm. uh first of all felt so freaking D and I gotta be honest with you it yeah felt like there's they're certainly playing up to the D and D moment there but uh, yeah, it would really. Right, they're, 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 they said, what are the, you know, what are you doing here? And Zigrin replies with, "Oh, we're on this like convoy, protecting these convoys." And he sounds like he hates doing it. And then at the end, he just abandons this all together. He's like, "Screw the king, we're just gonna come on this quest with you." Uh, way more fun. So it's fun that they went down, uh, you know, with with Geralt, and um, they make some really good time, like to get to Sintra. Steph has something to say, which is impressive because. I'm calling him Dandelion. Was on foot. Yeah. And uh, is always on foot. He's always I mean, on foot. Geralt yeah, never Geralt. lets him on the horse. <laughs> Geralt never lets him ride. And Dandelion doesn't really complain. Uh, That's the, their traveling conversation was pretty good too. We yeah. still have not gotten Toss a Coin to your Witcher and I'm upset about it. You will not get that in this season. I will Stupid guarantee that. I that was season one. I'm annoyed with. You got Burn, Butcher Burn in this one, which is no, not as good. Which is pretty uh, catchy. What is what Today's song is the explicit song, right? Yeah, it was like, the, yeah. 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 F you because you're done effing me or something like that. Yeah, right? yeah something, it was like something that. good. Something good. It was good. I want to know if, if Joey Beatty, who writes, uh, who is Yaskier, I, I want to know if he's writing these songs or if other people are writing these. I want to know how spontaneous some of these might come about. Uh, there's going to be an album. I'm just going to tell you, it's at the end of the series, there's going to be <laughs> like Yaskier's greatest hits. Yaskier's greatest hits. Yeah, it's, um, it's all good fun when he's on screen, but, um, I'm glad they incorporated, you know, Yarp and Zigrin and his crew because he gets to know Siri really well in this, in the book. And I, on iTunes. Is there a step you said that? Toss a coin. Is the other one? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The whole Witcher soundtrack's on iTunes at this the point. The new one. The new song. I don't see it. 
I only type burn, in. Butcher, burn. Burn, 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 butcher, burn. Is it there? Well, you search. Look it up. Burn. <laughs> oh, it is. It is there. Oh, uh, well, What's we... his name? What's... I think it's Joy Beatty is the actor's name. She's searching. Okay. While she searches... The, the key is if today's song's on there. Zigrin is, you know, he becomes... He knows Siri pretty well by the end of their travels. And so it seems like that, you know them traveling back to Kaer Morhen together to skip a little bit of time in this episode that, you know, he'll get to know her a little bit. Maybe Depending he'll get to know her possessed by a happened, witch. Right, we're not sure where we are. But it seems we'll like this is good, though, because there needs to be more help fighting this witch than just Geralt and uh, yeah, a, a, a magicless Yennefer, right? Right. And so... Although... That could turn. It, right? That it will certainly turn. That's the that's the turn. Like that's where that's the that's turn. where we're headed. Yep, one hundred percent where For we're sure. headed. Uh, so let's let's we got to stop because we can't go there, right? We can't go there yet. We have to back up now and talk about some other people. Um, to to just finish off with Geralt. Actually, there's uh, one more thing. Um, Geralt goes to the hut with Yen, which is not there, which leaves. You said this is a character straight out of D and D. This hut. Yeah, the, well, the hut is a is an Eastern European Baba yeah. Yaga kind of oh, yeah. thing, right? So, and all I think of is John Wick. I'm not sure when you say Baba Yaga. The Baba Yaga. No, no, we can't. We're gonna, we're gonna, get, we're gonna get thrown off. We're, <laughs> get we're listening by to us. the song. We're gonna get flagged <laughs> because <laughs> Stephanie is sitting here with a. There's a phone Steph again. is very excited about the, the fact picture that of Stephanie right now with a phone sticking out of the side of her head. <laughs> Uh, is ridiculous. Well, let's um, let's pop. And, pop and I'm going to want to touch back to that yeah, when we yeah. get there. But it, there's the there is a house on legs, yeah, and a witch, which is part of like Eastern European folklore that ends up entering into D and D, D and D character, uh, yeah. and yeah, it, it was, was great. The visual was of that was beautiful. Yeah, it was well, cool. haunting, I guess. I don't know what it was. It was it was very cool to see. Uh, let's pop over to Siri and Yen real quick, um, just to cover the ground that they they went and um, you know the episode ended with them portaling into this random room. I had no idea where they were, and uh, until again they've had another flyover of the house, and I realized that this was the house that she was in in the uh, in season one at the end of season one that family right. took her in, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, that was nice that they went there. That makes sense as to the place that she was. Well, you know, that she well, would go, that she would portal herself to. But nice in the least nice Even way. Yen says that it was her safe space before yeah. Geralt was her safe space. Yeah. Oh, totally. They like explain where they sense, are. Like her, and Yen says when she's trying to portal out in the last episode, she says something. You have to visualize where you're going, essentially. Right. Like she's a, and you that's have to see the location. Mind yeah. Went to the So safe she picked space the room, right? The safe space. Scared. Yeah. That's, that's a good catch. Um, but yeah, she went to this this house of this family that took her in and she ends up finding that uh they were singed they were a bit singed yes and by but a bit singed was it the fireman yen says it was the fireman it i believe that it is the fireman how i believe that it is rains but how does he know where they are um he is knows he shifty he knows where they are because i i connected the dots at one point um I think you know he probably he probably knew because he probably just scoured all the places around. I wouldn't be surprised if most of the homes around Sodden were even, burned. Even Geralt didn't know. Geralt knew because Geralt. There. 
Gerald didn't know he was no she was there. No one knew she was at that house. That's what's so confusing. Yeah, it it yeah, and I'm not 100% sure. I feel like I had the answer during the episode and now I don't remember what it is. There's a there's a thing going on with <laughs> there, <laughs> There's a thing going on with Rance's ability to track, right? Like there's a thing there that that we that we called out in the last episode that we have to deal with here too. Yeah. Uh but this that Cindy reminds me of the, this Russian film called Come and See, mm. if you want the truth, where there's a like a terrifying moment where a family has been singed and killed and they run past and only mm. one person sees it's terrifying, uh, awful, awful thing. Uh, war is bad and torching people is bad. Yeah, no uh, good. But that's heartbreaking for Syria. Like we're, right. we're getting a, we're getting real emotional damage to it's Syria here. It confirms for her again that like everything she touches ends up being killed or destroyed. Um, you know, and, and, and she's just keeps feeling awful. I mean, it was the reason she wanted to turn herself into a witcher, right? Was just so she could stop feeling the horrors and pain that keep occurring in her life. Um, and uh, yeah, so this is just one more notch in her belt of things that just suck for her. Right. So uh, anyway, Yen ends up manipulating her to go to Sintra, right? Very low key manipulation, but she manipulates her to go to Sintra, to choose to go to Sintra being the nearest outpost um, where, and that Geralt might where Geralt most likely might be, will be there, uh, right? And she does she does say a lot of mites, right? But she doesn't. Right. She never says like we're going to Sintra because that's where Geralt is. She she allows Siri to put the pieces together and for Siri to say, well, we're going to Sintra then. Right. And she agrees. Well, I you know Geralt would never uh, forgive me if something happened to you, so I'm going to come with you. Right. So that's that sort of deal. On their way there, though, there's a nice little line that S Siri says is Geralt is the father I never had. Mm -hmm. While they're discussing, you know, Geralt and what happened between her, him and Yennefer and all those things. And so we've officially reached the point in their relationship where she feels like he's a father. I was wondering how long it would take for her to feel like that because this whole series is about family. It's, I mean, you're likely seeing that with the foreshadowing with Yennefer too and her not having, being able to have a child. Um, and so like, there's this whole family dynamic that's happening between, and we, we've actually heard it in this episode is that there's not like essentially nothing stronger than blood. Like blood is the strongest thing. And, I, and right. it's not true because of this family unit that we're seeing on screen between Geralt and Siri. Um, well, and we're going to, we actually are going to have a conversation about that several times in the episode because they're yeah. that that sentence is resonant throughout. Yeah. And then, and Siri says at that same moment to Yennefer, what's your relationship? And so you love him too, right? Right. And that is illuminating to the bond that they parallel have mm -hmm. and accentuates the eventual betrayal, right? Like there's mm -hmm. that, it's just good writing. Yeah. And the, the work, the, I just, again, just the work on the horses was so good. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's so great. The, even the horse's pacing is matching conversation, right? There's so much going on. Yeah, there's a lot of dynamics in, in that and whole thing. As they travel, they get to this river, right, that they have to cross. Right, the bridge is out. And uh, we see a second time that Yennefer is training Siri, right? Mm. And um, so it's cool because this is what, you know, in the books originally, Geralt takes her to this temple and essentially to be trained by Yennefer. And 
I wasn't sure what they were going to do with this whole thing, considering Yennefer doesn't have any powers and she's kind of kidnapping her for her own selfish reasons. So it seems like this is actually, uh, she's just training her because she wasn't asked to, but because she wants to, because she sees potential in Siri and because she care, she actually cares for Siri at this point. Um, and she needs to get places. And like, she needs to get all places. Of by so need, a, right? All she's of She's training by her by need, by need, by yeah. need. And you made a lovely Star Wars reference during this moment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's she's just trying to lift this bridge. And I'm like, oh. use the force, Luke. I mean, it's what everybody thinks of when you stretch your hands out and you try and lift something out of the water. It's just Luke trying to lift this X-Wing out of, you know, the swamp in Dagobah. And he can't do it. And Siri can't do this either. She starts bleeding from the eyes and... Yeah, and just telling her to stop. And uh, yeah, we yeah. Have, I, I'm just going to say there's a lot of eye issues. There's a lot of eyes. The eyes are very interesting in this show. Well, well, as I said, I think the subtitle of the show could just be called Contacts, right? Because yeah. everyone's wearing contacts. But there, is, am I right? Their pupils are huge. Yeah. Is that what happens when you wear contacts? Colored no, contacts? There's certain contacts. So their contacts make contacts. their pupils look huge? Listen to Stephanie. Okay. <laughs> so there's contacts that are just normal ones that help you see. Then there's other ones that can make your pupils look like your whole eye be black. There's ones that sure. can make... Well, there's like, like cat eye ones, like, which you is... You can get like purple, like Yen has. Yeah. And just instead of the pupil just going to your own pupil, it has black around it to make it look bigger hmm. and then the purple. Right. So it looks... It's to make your eyes look dilated and bigger. Because Siri's eyes have like the largest pupils Verena in episode one the vampire her her she was wearing contacts because there was a moment where Yennefer Siri and Geralt are together for a beat yeah right at some point here I, I and and it will and it's just contacts it's just contacts. Yasker's the only one whose eyes are normal <laughs> yeah it's he has nothing special like he's like he's not it's his voice his voice is special but he's not like superhuman no like the rest of them no 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 no, definitely not um yeah and all yeah. the elves eyes are have contacts the, the amount of contacts that, el- that makeup department must have to order plopping them in so and many with covid how much work you must have oh, to clean goodness. those things it's i do you think i saline yeah i i would bet you they have so many of them though that they just throw them out at the end of the day and they just put new ones in oh that's a lot of it's a lot of contacts. I don't think that's true. No, you don't think so? They're Not two special two special contacts. I don't think you understand how expensive. Yeah, I guess those they would be. Are they tinted? So does Geralt see like yellow when he looks out through his contacts? To be honest, I've never put one on. Oh. So. Like does Yen see purple and like no, Sirius sees so. green? Like I because just Because you don't see through I guess I guess you see it does through go your pupil, yeah, no, not your whole right. eyeball. Well, yeah, you're right. So. <laughs> is that, is that Listen. The opening image of the show. I don't show, wear contacts. The, I can't do the it. The opening image at the beginning of the show was a guy with no, or not a guy, a purse, a face with no. You're what, right. Like, and you know eyes and it covered. I was like, and I thought it was gonna be somebody completely different. I thought it was. I thought it was referencing a specific character in the game. Philippa Eilhart has no. She has a bandana covering her eyes because her eyes were ripped out by uh, pretty much the people, the witch hunters who are hunting witches in the game. And uh, oh. yeah, I, so I thought that's who that was. Um, you can buy Witcher contacts, contact lenses. Oh yeah, for Geralt, Siri, and for, oh, from where? Eye lenses. I want to click it. This episode is sponsored by eyelenses.com. This feels very sketchy. It seems like it might give you a disease if oh, you put it in your eye. It's a cheapo website. Yeah, don't do it, people. Don't do it. 
or coloredcontacts.com. Really? Huh. What's the price? What's the price on the Geralt contact? Uh, the cheapo ones are fourteen ninety nine. Th- that feels like eye infection. Just to an image visit. <laughs> the power oh, podcast. Twenty bucks. Twenty bucks for yellow. Three for two though. You get a thirty day supply. Wait, three for two dollars? A thirty day I'm supply. Not sure how that works. You get a thirty day supply of yellow for contacts. You get you get her blue ones. And her green ones. You get Yen's purples, and you get Gerald's. That's amazing. Well, we'll contact them if they want to sponsor us. We'll give more details <laughs> out. Uh, so, so yeah, I, I, um, I love this moment when she's trying to raise the bridge. Right? It's fun. It's interesting. Yeah. Uh, and it's practical effects, which I think is super cool. Yeah. Like, you know, it's not at least in a it big looks space. like it is. Well, I think it's practical effect. Yeah. I just think. Because it's these weird close-ups too, right? We're not seeing the big arc of it. Yeah. Uh, there looks like there's like they're trying to pull some strings or something. Right. Because it was awkward and weird yeah. in a way. Like it was a weird the way real it's physics. Definitely, I think it's definitely practical effects mi- mixed with digital. With, there's digital around the edges, but yeah. I, it feels anyway. So and then she of course can't do it, and her eyes bleed. Which yeah, it was a great look. It was a great look. I mean, that sucks. But this goes back to what I was talking about with where is the trade-off? Right for the power, right for the chaos, right. She's starting to kill herself. Yeah, it was her. She was eating herself. She was, essentially. Eating. She was consuming herself. Which happens to Frangilla, who has Frangilla. The burnt hand. Frangilla had the burnt hand, right? She, she her hand her. started to die. It's not like that anymore. No, because when she fixed it, when she went, when Yen went through the whole uterus thing, you like fix something from your body. Oh, uh, so three. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, oh, that's, that's right. That's what Frangela fixed. Shoot, yeah, you're right. Forgot about that. Yeah, okay, great. I'm glad you're on it. Traumatized by that episode. You're traumatized. <laughs> yes. Uh, um, I did realize, though, that I did mention earlier in, in the podcast, in this episode, that when she portaled out of the temple, that what was the trade-off, and she actually broke that magic Right, thing. she broke and that. And that was the trade-off, right. I think. Yeah. She she ended up consuming that piece of magic to be able to use right. her it own. It sensed magic and then she broke it, right? Yeah, and so that was the trade-off, I yeah. think. Um, but for this, there is no trade-off. She's consuming herself and, and Yennefer knows it. She tells her to stop and she ends up yelling again, screaming. And this time, instead of like, I thought she was going to like burst the ravine wide open or something like gonna, that. I thought she was going like, to hurt Yen. Yeah. Instead, she ends up like, transporting them across the and the horse river with the horses yeah and like mm, that's that's she's a way like, to do a, it that's, all right that's that's cool sounds like a plan and she's like that's a much better way to get across than trying to lift this bridge have a very tender moment yeah where she says sorry and she's like uh never apologize yeah because now she's realizing what kind of power she has yeah totally and you know it's cool it was cool to see that because again in the game siri has this like dash feature like it's like she just can teleport herself oh. small distances which is really cool is that what just happened i think that's what just happened waiting for that to happen. yeah it was really cool there's just uh, no green there's no green trail. trail there may have been we there, just we didn't, just see, didn't it. see it uh but yeah i thought I've that was cool and that. again like this is going to like she just moved between spaces we've seen that concept come up with these um mo- monoliths and I'm assuming we're going to keep seeing that come up, you know, as time moves on in this series. So, um, yeah, they have, um, they get across 
And then there's this whole black screen thing that you were talking about too. Yeah, so they get to the they get to Sintra and uh and we're we're missing like the stuff we have to talk about is less significant than what we're talking about now, which yeah. is weird. But they get to Sintra and uh Jennifer uh, is we know we're gonna head there. Siri says that you know that that big ravine is it was my fault for right. practical right. purposes. This whole monolith is and that toppling. raises the stakes for Jennifer substantially. Like she's starting to really get a sense that what that what's going on here isn't good. And we've been seeing mm-hmm. through the whole episode. And now I'm wondering. I need to go back and watch, especially six, because I missed important stuff. Let alone <laughs> the fact that I probably missed this. Uh, it, it, have we been seeing the witch gain power all along? Yeah. But this whole episode, we've been seeing that witch like sparkling with flame as she gains power right in the hut right to right. To, to do the escape and uh and so uh Siri goes over and Siri and Yennefer touch make physical contact and the world just closes in and we have them exchange thoughts yeah yeah it was a cool moment and uh definitely the sort of thing where it it's revealed that Yennefer made a mistake that she probably shouldn't be bringing Siri here. She tells Siri to run, to go, to leave if you still can, if you want to. And um, that it's her fault, right, for bringing Siri there. So there's, um, I mean, you can tell that that Yen feels some regret in that conversation. Right, there's a transformation happening. Yeah. For her, right. Yeah, and um, immediately following that, some Guardians come out, attack well, them. Well, first. Oh, did I miss something? Yeah, because Siri goes, Siri oh, yeah. exercises her power and she cracks a oh gosh a, yeah you're right. a ravine perpendicular to the previous one that goes all the way up and cracks the walls of Sintra yeah right um, which then sends the Nilfgaardians and the, the, out, yeah. the guys are like whoa we're under attack let's send yeah. five five guys, guys. Out. yeah <laughs> just five guys just five yeah and uh, they those five guys don't come back and I don't think they send out anybody else after well certainly after. not in the they got out there pretty quickly and no one came out. Yeah, quickly there was no reinforcements and we they come out and they get siri and yennefer can't do anything like it it feels pretty dangerous it feels pretty hopeless yeah um and then Geralt appears again in what a freaking hero turn battle yeah oh there's some really good you know dismemberment happening and the dwarves are priceless fighters yeah like we need them to stay around a little bit off. Doesn't the head pop off? Oh yeah, Geralt yes, chops the head Garrett off. Picks it up. Yeah, goes, I think Geralt pops the head off. Or, oh, oh no, one no, of the one of the dwarves, of the dwarves pops the head yeah, off. Yeah, pops the head off and it lands in. And Danny Lion hand. catches it. He's yeah, like, oh, this is so disgusting. good. So he just good. wanders during fights. He's just like milling around. I love that. Um, he's in the middle of it. Yeah, he's, like, he's just kind of there. And I love that the dwarves have to work together because they are so small that you know you have to have one of them bury an axe in a chest and the other one to drive the nail home. Right of that axe. Well, and there's the one guy who like just has the hook that right. pulls people down, so right, they right. can get stabbed. Right. So it's like a, a three for one here, right? You right. have one pull them down, one put the axe in the chest, and the other one hammer it in. Yeah. I mean, it's cool. It's cool to see them work in tandem together. And it's great that there's alternate kinds of fighting. So you pointed out in the last episode that we watched together, then the Geralt fight that I said was sort of like Spartacus, um, mm-hmm. the the stars Spartacus. Uh, this is again like stylized interesting fighting so we're not just getting people slugging it out or duking it out on screen and we're not getting some very traditional sword and sorcery fighting there the individual races seem to have fighting styles 
and that makes it more fun to watch. Total, right? Blocking totally. style, all that. It feels great. fresh every time there's a new fight, right? And um, I think that's I think that's really cool. Uh, other than that, though, I think that's we like reached well, I mean, the end. Geralt right? says, "Well, no, we get that moment right where everyone's down, and mm. Yennefer oh. steps forward, and Geralt's blade, oh yeah, up, yeah, and is against her neck, and the tip is like really bloodied, too, of that of that sword. Yeah, oh yeah, and oh, yeah. he is not like he's pissed. He would if she made the wrong move. I think he would not stop." And yeah, we need probably. to believe that he could kill her when they go away, right? Mm -hmm. Like there is this sense that he could kill her when the dwarves take. Well, Siri right, and away. and Zigrin uh, asks Geralt, like, "Is this yours? Is this your child? Is this your child?" And he re he like repeats back twice, "Mine." Mm -hmm. And like, so Geralt has fully claimed ownership, not in like a uh, a creepy, a creepy way. way or a, uh, a slavery way or anything like that like over Siri but that this is his kid and he's going to protect her by any means necessary even if right. it means killing the person that he he loves and longs for um, and he needs Yen to, to, to understand that um, and obviously there's mis some miscommunication here Yen is regretting what she's done there's no time to explain it in the episode of you know all the feelings but we understand it and um and then she portals him yeah. using this same yeah she takes him to the whatever spell to the, the hut, hut and they find that the witch has escaped right yep having consumed enough despair and the reason she, the despair she consumes is the next plot line we should visit yeah you want to uh, pop into Sintra, right yeah and so this is actually we have to jump around because we need to do fringilla and yeah it's a little it's a little just at the same time there's a lot of interweaving it, happening this is really there's a lot of connected. interweaving. Um, well, let's say uh, first then, let's just start at the top of Sintra where they uh, right. you know, appear. Um, there's certainly this um, this power disruption that's happening in Frangilla's life, right? Like she's trying to maintain control both from Francesca, both from Kahir and from these outside, these generals as well, these other leaders of the Nilfgaardian army. Um, specifically one very weird looking guy uh, he actually is very average looking. He's just an average looking guy with a big beard. I don't know his name. They never give him a name. Um, and he's such a jerk to her. Like, such a jerk. Oh, the... Yeah. He's such yeah. a... He's the beard and the receding hairline. Poor yeah. guy. This episode is sponsored by Keeps. You should... Stop that. Put that away. <laughs> so, he he is obviously our male-dominated... Yeah. figure and he's calling her out yeah and he keeps challenging her authority mm -hmm. and pushing kahir and in a way what i think is really interesting is that the relationship between frangilla and kahir and between Fran francesca and uh frangilla are, are relationships that feel not healthy but like legitimate yeah yeah and yeah. then there's these outside forces whether it's the witch's voice or it's the uh these generals who are pushing the other direction right and then they hang this little girl yeah yeah they and and there's nothing that frangilla can do about it because if she steps in to stop them she's going to be seen as a traitor and if she agrees to it then she's going to be seen as a uh, as, as betraying the elves right so she's at like this, right she's stuck and there's this sense that Frangilla in her head, and we've heard her say it over and over again, that this is about this whole experience that they're in 
is a is about liberation, right? So she sees the white flame as a liberator, as a hero, right? Like there's this mm -hmm. idea that she sees and this underling doing a deed that is not that, right? Killing a little girl for what, stealing bread or something, it was something stupid. Yeah. Uh, is completely anti that philosophy that she has right. about where she is. So suddenly she's not sure about the world she's in or what her role is. Yeah. The fantasy of what she thought the politics were. And she goes and she talks to, uh, yeah, she goes Francesca, to Francesca, and Francesca says, she's, "We're she's, done." Like she's like, "Look, I, I, I like you as a person. Essentially, like uh, you are my friend. Like I consider you a friend, but I now have to choose my family over any other bond I have because, like, the bond of blood is stronger than you know anything else, and I have to choose that." And so it's not that Frangilla, I think, even feels betrayed by Francesca. It's just she's realizing that, huh, maybe I don't have the allies I thought I did. Maybe I'm not in the right standing with Francesco or I'm not in the right standing with Kahir. Definitely not in the right standing with the generals. And what's going to happen when Amir shows up? Is he going to is he going to listen to the generals? Is he going to listen to Kahir? Is he, going to, is he even going to consider what I have to say? anything and, valid at all and the elves are are not going to fight now right they're going on their way so you're yeah you yeah. sort of call that right and like, especially after Nilfgaard is starting to hang multiple elves right this girl who who they pushed off the walls um they hanged her she was the third elf on that wall and and there's this idea that the they need to protect themselves and they're going to go their own way and they're not going to fight the battles of the humans, right? All of this is there. And, mm -hmm. the, you know, I love the fact that the, they missed their first day of, not their first, they missed a day of practice because they were drunk. Right, because they, they've been celebrating so hard about this newborn, right? But if you yeah. miss two days, it's sedition, right? And they're just not going to take that. And so they're yeah. they're done, they're leaving. And that means that Frangilla does not have the gift she had for the Here. white flame, right? Yeah. So like the, that, she realizes all of her power, like being the good person seems to now not matter. So she goes back right. to... She goes to her uncle. Her uncle, right. Right. And he's in Eratusa. I don't remember what his name is, unfortunately, but he's in Eratusa. And again, she repeats essentially what uh, Francesca said to her is like, you know, blood is stronger than anything else and I am your blood so like you should help me like if you care about me in any way whatsoever like you should help me and he apologizes for not sticking up for her in season one of the show and uh um essentially but then doesn't but doesn't really do anything no. he says really, if yeah. you want to come back you're gonna have to give it all up pretty like, much you have, you have to, to you have to leave Nilfgaard behind altogether mm -hmm. and go and do whatever the brotherhood tells you you need to do and you need to like essentially beg for forgiveness and right she's, like, and I think Frangilla sees herself suddenly with no political power mm -hmm. that that on either side there's this male domination that is that she's yeah doesn't have control over and so she decides to take an aggressive yeah she aggressive, takes matters into her own hands action? for sure so that's a great moment right guys yeah. sitting at a table Goodness. having a meal and the off-camera voice yeah. like it's as if you know you put your hand on the turntable and you stop the record yeah it was i mean it was really it was really cool i didn't know what was happening for a moment right because you know they're they're talking about frangilla saying like yeah. Uh, you know, essentially the guy is saying like, I, 
you know, I hope she dies, right? Like, I hope that Amir shows up and just just kills her. Like, I hope she's just not around anymore. And Kahir certainly is not on the same page, right? No, but he's not defending her either. Right. Right? Like, he's he's not he's not supporting her in, in any way. But he's not bad-mouthing her. He's not defaming her. He's not doing anything. Um, he's just not doing anything is the problem. Um, and, uh, yeah, she shows up and freezes everybody. And So she ooh. says that they all froze, right, because she knows how to hide what nightshade in mead which i love that little bit of line and they're and they, i you know as they're drinking i'm i was saying to myself these are really interesting cups yeah look how much they're drinking <laughs> look at I, it felt like it was that sort of yeah. good well-directed telegraphing that i didn't know where it was headed right right so uh she comes in and i didn't know what she was going to do at first i didn't either then she picked up that knife and i said oh boy it's no good steph what did it. you think I covered my eyes, <laughs> shoved it into the man's eyeball. Yes. Slowly. Very slowly. slowly. And the eyeball went into his brain. <laughs> and so, then she shoved another teeny weeny knife into the lady next to him. Was it a lady? I think it might have been. And then. Right the, into her temple. In her temple. It was somewhere in that area. It was somewhere in that area. And then right down that guy's spine. Oh, yeah. And, and then just into, left it there. And then into a guy's stomach too, I think. No, it oh, it was his throat. And God, then it, just it was like trickled. Throat. Well, it didn't trickle. Blood. Oh my God, no, it did. It, it like, well, it, it didn't just, trickle, it but it was it like it waterfall was a solid blood. Stream. Yeah, it was like and being frozen and that coming out. Oh, but he was funny. He, yeah, he was funny because his eyes were like he was like, oh crap, I'm next. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, right. She walks by him and he's like, she coming? Yeah. Oh, terrifying. And I'm sure Kahir is practically crapping himself at this well, point. And but. she goes over with a knife and puts it against his cheek and says, you're going to say why I had to do this. Right. You're, this is my power play. You're going to say these are the bad guys and I solved the problem and now I'll be back in good stead. Right. Great, like good politicking feels very, very fantasy, political, yeah. kind of well, Game of and, Thrones inspired. And Kahir should do it because, I mean, she just froze five people at a table and was able to waltz in and... With like Nothing. Kill four people, right? While having a conversation, she didn't struggle at all. Like, I mean, if she wanted Kahir dead, then he'd be dead. He'd be he'd be dead, and he would be dead in the future going forward if she doesn't, or if he doesn't listen, right? So, yes, very cool. There's a, the wide shot of that of her walking after she walks around the table. The wide shot was very, um, or even there was a there was actually a, a dolly. It was a. Uh... Was it? It reminds you of a painting. Did it remind you of a painting? It reminded me of the Last Supper. It did remind me of the Last Supper. Yeah, yeah fully reminded me of the Last Supper. I mean, obviously, gone awry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 and less people, but and far less people. Yeah. yeah, yeah, good. I'm glad we're on the same page with that. That's good. Um, last thing that happens in Centro that I can remember, other than Dara bowing out of being Dijkstra's spy, which. I don't feel like I need to say any more than that. Other yeah, than just great, he sits down and tells the owl. Yeah, he tells the owl like, "Hey, I'm, I'm done. not going to do this anymore." Yeah, I want to be. I want to fight for my people. And they go. It's, it. it's it's this. So this reminded me of the wire. I'm just going to say this hmm. reminded me of the wire. So you've got like your snitch, and your snitch society is not going to work anymore. And it goes to the big bad drug dealer. Yeah, and the big bad drug dealer says, oh, "He doesn't really matter. Who cares?" Right, right. Like it. It's not, he's such a low level person yeah. that they don't need to like do anything. They to don't him. need to d dwell, dwell on that at right. all. Right? They don't even need Whatever. to send anybody to kill him because it doesn't matter. Whether it means he's gone from the episode quietly so he can return. They've already or got all the info around. they need, yeah. right? They already have all the info they need from yeah. him with Francesca's baby being born, right? right. That was because the info they needed. And, uh, and where it is and, and where it is, blah, blah, which blah. leads me to the next thing. 
and that is Francesca having a dream of her daughter being killed. She hears like the witch's voice and she wakes up to check to see if this is, is legitimate or not. And she sees Phil Evangel on the ground holding the, the dead child. But we did see a robed figure like walking into that room in her dream. With a knife With in a, a knife. dream, yeah. I don't know who this figure is. I don't know, again, if this is a red herring, if we're supposed to think the witch killed her, if we're supposed to think um, uh, Nilfgaard killed her. I think that's going to be the uh, assumption by the elves, which is going to which is going to like forcefully push this backlash. But Amir probably won't even get to Nilfgaard. And if he does, he's getting there at the time of unrest and people just fighting, right? Nilfgaard's versus the elves. Um, and this is going to push the elves out of there and into this whole Skoyatal freedom. Right. Like nobody is our ally anymore, right? They thought they were safe with Nilfgaard, but they're not safe in the Northern Realms. They're not safe with Nilfgaard, so we can only trust each other. And now we're gonna we're gonna fight as as one unit, um, led by Philavandril and Francesca, most likely. So the other option is that there's some Redanian assassin who came in to kill this kid, or a um, another mage from like the Brotherhood, because you had. Vilgefortz and um, did you just use like flapping arms? What does that mean? Could it be the owl? It could actually it could be the owl, uh, but I feel like that's yeah. I just don't know. I I don't I don't think it was actually a mage, but it really could be. But there's a, there's a few options as to who like killed. A mage wouldn't use a knife. Yeah, I just I don't think so. I don't know unless we, they want someone else to be blamed for it. Oh, that's the, that yeah right, right exactly. The whole idea of right, killing if you the use baby. magic, then they're gonna say, "Oh, mage killed our kid." The baby's death is a double win, right? Because mm -hmm. first of all, it stops the reproduction, which they're concerned about, right? So we hear uh, that they're worried about, you know, an elf being an enemy for years, right? Right. The, the, the mages are worried about that. Right. But the second thing it does is it... An it, elf mage being an enemy. An elf mage being an yeah. enemy. But the other, the second thing it, it does is it, it assures that the relationship between Nilfgaard and the elves can be severed and that has to happen for almost everybody in yeah. the political realm. Yeah, especially for uh, the show to get back on track to where the books are. Right, there you go. <laughs> it has to happen. Right. So it, it works for everyone, including the politics of the writers. Realm. Right. <laughs> um, yes, uh, let's pop over to Dijkstra real quick. Sure. Who has one quick scene while uh, King Vizimir is playing like solitaire or something at his table? Oh yeah, um, it, I was like, is he playing? Yeah, what is he playing? Solitaire I don't know game he, of he's playing a single involved. game of Gwent by himself. There was dice involved. Yeah, I don't know what he was doing. Like moving chips around. I don't know what he, he was, was doing. And he was, there was there, sometimes he had three cards and he was flipping yeah. them over. But uh, that game is going to have to come into existence. Yeah, we're going to have to know what that guess. game was. Yeah. Uh, if anyone knows what it. that game is. It's, uh, but essentially, this whole scene feels like Dijkstra's just saying, uh, we want Ciri to, uh, so that Redania can become the most powerful nation, essentially, in the, in the realms. Is at least how I, what I took from it, right, was they're just hunting down Ciri. So Dijkstra wants Ciri, the Nilfgaardians want Ciri, Reince wants Ciri, not sure if Reince the wants Ciri. The witch wants Ciri. Everybody wants Ciri. Everybody wants Everybody Ciri. wants Ciri, so. Including... Ranks in a moment we have skipped. Yes, that we should that, at least that's reference. who I was going to go to next. Um, and at last, uh, well, actually not lastly, but Reigns is, is where we're going next. And um, there's one quick thing that happens here. Um, he gives the mutagen over to, I think her name is Lydia. And she decides that, you know, okay, well, 
let's um you want to meet my boss well i will take this thing first i will try this mutagen what like she's she wants to try it it was like she was tasting the cocaine. I'm going to go back to my That is kind of what it felt like, rep. right? Yeah. She was trying to trace the blood. I guess you're right. That's I guess she was happening. trying to she trace the blood. She wasn't like eating it. It she was did, tracing it, it and did it turned seem, into like a They talk so fast in this show that sometimes I burned. miss what exactly is the purpose of whatever they're doing. Yeah, she poured, she poured a little bit out on her hand. Then she rubbed it around. Mm. Yeah. And they kept calling it blood, but we all know it's that it's not just blood. It's been transmuted into mutagen if i can use all those words at the same time yeah Good to you. you did great yeah and uh it like burns her face up and then she falls to the ground and i expected to see Rains looking on in like with like a big smile on his He's face like, Whatever. She's yeah gone he, now. he definitely didn't care moving on if i'm thinking of the same person in the books this that lydia is not described is how she looks in the show right now <laughs> So I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to have to look her up you know, after we're done on the podcast and uh, confirm I'm thinking of the same person. But uh, she may be more in line with what they describe her as in the books. But uh, anyway, that's that's Reigns. And they keep talking about the employer. Right. right so if you want my employer to come, right. I'll check if if what you say is true. If this does the same thing as if we actually captured Siri, my employer will be here in a heartbeat. Right. And so Reigns gives it over, lets her do her thing. It goes bad. Um, uh, last thing uh, that we need to mention is Tessaia and Vilgefortz. Um, they're sleeping together. And um, <laughs> Steph said oops. Yeah. Yeah. So And her hair was down. And her hair was down. Yeah, that really threw you off. Yeah, it did. I th I her hair's her never hair down. down. I didn't know her hair. It's the first it's time like we've a, seen her with her it's hair It's a down. dark brown. It's like a chestnut brown. Yeah. And um, yeah, so she's sleeping with Vilgefortz and uh, that seems weird. Um, it's like the weird political relationship then like a personal relationship and you can't trust, I feel like you can't trust any of these mages. I don't trust him. At all. I don't trust him at all. Well, especially after he gets angry with her and comes in storming. Because he needs to, to know something for someone he else. Needs, he needs, he panicky. demands from Triss to don't tell. yell at our ladies. Yeah. No, sir. Yeah. We he demands respect. He, you are right. Thank you. I know. Hey. <laughs> on that note, Stephanie, you want to wrap like up the podcast? I don't ever yell at you, but I feel like you're, <laughs> you're no, talking it's directly just, to me. You should never. <laughs> he was aggressive and he made her cry. Yeah, he did. And well, now she's probably well, not going to trust him the same way. Who? Uh, Tisea? Yeah. Yeah. Well, right. Well, well, she comes in. He comes in. As to say is talking to Triss and demands Triss tell him everything she knows about Siri. And Triss is immediately like betrayed by Tisea, right? Like she didn't think Tisea was gonna say it, but of course she says something because she's sleeping with this guy. Right. And um immediate betrayal, Triss leaves and Tisea is pissed because she's like, This is why I didn't want to tell you anything. Like, you know, you you spoke too soon and there's a you know, there's some anger, there's all this stuff, but they're setting definitely setting up Vilgefortz as this guy that you like a little bit you're questioning what the heck he's doing and we know something's weird anyway from last season right right so he smashes we, one of the allies heads right. in we, we know we, there's already a that we've that's been washed over mm -hmm. and that's important yeah you probably forgot over. about that but yeah but not he, you john but right. like the but people right, listening the audience that yeah he thinking about that yeah uh, so um yeah tris feels betrayed and um he's definitely like sweet talking to say it too right like he's 
he's sweet talking her hard manipulation happening yeah oh for sure so um that's i mean that's pretty much where we've left off i mean really i think we're just going to jump straight in from you know this possession by the witch and this finale and um yeah we get you know there's this these sparks that come flying along and yeah, it's like these embers right yeah they, they loop along. around and remember she the witch burned up right as she part of her escape was burning up like going out the chimney i guess or whatever or roof of the house yeah or uh, the hut and she zips over and series eyes get greener get greener more green yeah which is one of the contacts you can get at <laughs> contacts.com <laughs> I legitimately have no idea where they're going to go in this next episode. I'm excited to watch it. I, I am. I'm excited to watch it. And I don't know where they're going to go either. Yeah. Well, let's find out. All right. Uh, wait, wait. You know what? Oh. Well, incidentally, and you'll be able to find out what we thought in our next episode. <laughs> so we're not Good. doing three in a row. It's just two in a row. This is all for today. And then yeah. you can tune into our next episode. And then we'll probably do some kind of overarching giant conversation. Not that we're not already doing that now, but we're going to probably do some overarching giant conversation. Yeah, after we'll that. just talk about the season overall. Yeah, well, both. I would love to do both, like really dig in and, and see what we get. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so so we'll, we'll see you next time on Witcher Watch. In between, you should certainly check out all of our other film content because it's good and interesting uh and we're going to go watch episode eight and record that yeah anything to add stuff bye thanks for listening to witcher watch from the racking focus podcast you can catch the next episode recap at rackingfocuspodcast.com or wherever you stream your podcasts Toss a coin to your witcher, oh valley of plenty, oh valley of plenty, oh. Toss a coin to your witcher, oh valley of plenty. Thanks for listening to the Racking Focus Podcast.